Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled, Teach Me to Do Thy Will. It shall be focused on a study of Psalms chapter 143. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as David was saying, Enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Father, we don't come before thee to seek justification on the basis of our works, but we come and find justification on the basis of our faith in the word that you provided to know that you cannot fail it. Like you told us, heavens and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. So help us, Father, to be faithful in our walk with thee and to believe your word in its entirety and to not compromise to the left or to the right, but to hold on to it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Psalms chapter 143. Psalm 143, a psalm of David. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee, as a thirsty land. Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy cut off mine enemies, and destroy all them that afflict my soul. For I am thy servant. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, The Stature of a Perfect Man. This was preached in 1962 on October the 14th in the morning. We'll begin at paragraph 121 up to paragraph 354. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Fine little doctor down here in the city, a buddy of mine. Dr. Sam Adair, we've been boys together, you all know Sam. And he said to me, he said, Bill, I said that vision come. Told him where he built his place, how it would look. I go in and ask him sometime if that isn't true. Two or three years before it happened, told him where it be. I said, you'll almost take that city block. And there ain't but one thing between him and that, and that's that uh, rehabilitation place. Dr. Adair's got the rest of the apothecary, that's all. Dr. Dare feel that just exactly that vision were a place that he said it can't even be touched for 25 years. It's in court. I said, Doctor, the Lord gives it to you. Because of your humility. He said, I'm no good. I said, you're a turtle. You got a shell on the outside, a crust.
trust that you look at your friends out here, but inside you're a real guy. Come out of that shell. I said, God give it to you. He said, I've never doubted you, Billy, but I'll have to doubt that. I said, go on to your office. And so he went on out. Next morning he called me up and said, I'm freezing to death. I said, what's the matter? It's July. I said, what's the matter? Doc said, I've already bought the place, Billy. They had a meeting last night in Boston, and I've already bought the place this morning. So I told you. I was down there the other day talking to him when the gun exploded in my face. He said, I imagine I've told that to a thousand people coming here like that. What is it? Now, when God speaks anything, it's got to happen. Last evening, the friends come in. They'd heard that vision told about the caribou that had 42-inch horns and the silver-tipped grizzly bear. I don't know how many people has come at the house wants to see that. I said, here's a tape measure. Get on the horns. You heard it told before it happened. See? Why? When God says anything, it's got to happen. That's the reason it's based. Now, here's the plan of salvation. And then if his vision happened perfectly, exactly the way they say they do, and this church here knows that's right. Amen. Then what about his word? Amen. That's more sure than the vision. If the vision didn't speak with the word, then the vision's wrong. But it's the word first because the word is God. Amen. So he's omnipresent. He spoke that here and made it come to pass in Canada. Amen. See? He is omnipresent. All right. First, you must be born again, and then when you're born again, you have faith, you believe the Word. Until you're born again, you're arguing against it. If you're just uh, religiously inclined and, and you've got a, a, a little human knowledge that you should do right, you'll never be able to agree upon the Word of God. You'll never do it. You've got to be born again, and born again, it produces faith. All right. Then after you get faith, this right here, F-A-I-T-H, faith, then you're just in position of growing. Now, a lot of people go up the altar and pray and say, Lord, forgive me. And a great experience of sanctification come up on them and things. And you have a great time get up the altar shouting. You go back and say, bless God, I got it. No, you just started to a place where you can grow. You ain't done nothing yet. See, the only thing you've done is just laid the foundation. Now you're going to build a house. And you pour the foundation and say, boy, I got her. <laughs> See, you've got the foundation to build your house on. Now you've got to build a house. Now that's where the thing comes in this farm we're going to talk about now. All right. How this foundation is first. What is the foundation of Christianity? Faith in the Word of God. That's your foundation. Then you begin to grow. Then you start. You begin to add to this foundation. Now, building a house, you put your uprights and everything else. Brother Woods and some of these carpenters and contractors here will could tell us how you build your house. See? But I'm going to tell you how to build your spiritual house. Amen. Where God can dwell. He wants to dwell in you. He wants to make you like Himself. He wants you to be reflected. Reflecting, rather, His being. You know, in the old time when they used to make gold before they had the smelter to burn it out, they used to beat the gold out, beat the sludge out, the iron and copper and stuff out, and just keep beating it and turn it over and beating it. The Indians do that now. Beating gold. And they beat it. You know how they could tell all the iron was out of it and all the dirt and stuff, the dross was out of it? When the one that was beaten could see his own reflection like a mirror in it. It was clean and clear enough to reflected the beater. That's the way God does. He takes the gold that he has found in the earth and he beats it. 
by the Holy Spirit, turn it over and over and over, and beat it until he receives, he can see his reflection. And that's what we're supposed to do, reflect the Son of God. And now we're supposed to do his work. He said, He that believeth on me, St. John 14, 7, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. You're beginning to reflect the works of Christ. But so many of us try to do the works of Christ before the reflection of Christ is in us. Now, there's the trouble. We find those things happening. You know it. I know it. We see these stumbles along the road. We find the scrappy of ministers, of Christians, piled along the road. Is because they didn't go into it right. And that's why I'm here this morning, is to try to teach this little church and myself how that we can become the dwelling place of the living God. I may like to be that. The dwelling place of the living God. Now, here's what we do. What's the first thing? Have faith and be born again. That's laying the foundation. Then, after we lay the foundation, secondly, you add to your foundation. Add to your faith, Peter said here. Add to your... First you have faith, then you add virtue to your faith. This is the next column. First, for your foundation, faith. Then to your faith, add virtue. Now, right there knocks a lot of us down. Yes, sir? Yes. Add virtue to your faith. That doesn't just mean living a virgin life, you know, like a woman or a man and so forth. That doesn't have nothing to do with that. The Bible said, we read over here in the book of Luke, where it said, uh, virtue went out of him. Is that right? If we're going to be like him, we must have virtue then. We must have it to be like him. If the first song that I ever loved in, in the hymns, one of the greatest, was to be like Jesus. Well, if I'm going to be like Jesus, I've got to have virtue and a past that it can pass forward from me to the people. Because virtue went out of him to the people. Virtue. And before you can let it out, you've got to have it first. You haven't got it, it won't come out. There's nothing for it to come out of. Well, if someone tried to draw virtue out of us, the check would return insufficient funds. <laughs> no, no, none there to draw from. <laughs> check bounced. <laughs> Somebody looking at you as a Christian at a Mars out here carrying on like a sinner. Not much virtue can be drawn from that. See? Right. Virtue must be in us. And until we get virtue, then when we get true virtue, we can add it to our faith. That's the next foundation wall. Now, first you must have faith. Faith alone won't do it. You've got, Peter said, then add virtue to your faith. You must have virtue in order to add it to your faith. Now, then um, it might be the reason you don't have it because many churches of the day teach you don't have to have it or the days of its past. <laughs> they don't have to have it. Only thing you have to do is to join church. Yeah, days is past. Virtue. 
Anyone knows what the word virtue means? And we must have it. If virtue went from him to heal the woman that was sick, he's expecting the same virtue in his church because he was our example. And if he has virtue to give to the people, he expects us to have virtue to give to the people. And what is virtue? Virtue is strength, power. Some of them don't even believe in power of God. They say that, that that's past. Only thing you have to do is just put your name on the book. Be sprinkled or poured or baptized or whatever more. And that's all you have to do. But Peter said here, add virtue. Now, Peter's talking about building the house of God. The temple of God. Fixing it to a place. And if you have virtue, you must have, if you have faith, you must have virtue with it. Have virtue for the whole world. I preached a sermon about 20 years ago, I guess, on Reverend Mr. Lily. Lily, the pastor. Took it from the text of where Jesus said, Consider the lilies. How they neither toil or spin. Yet I say to you, in Solomon, all of his glory is not arrayed like one. Look at the lily. It comes from way down in the muck. And every minute of the day, it has to be drawing from the earth. See? And what does it do with this virtue that it draws? It gives it out. It makes a beautiful sight for the admirer. It opens up itself for honey, for the bee to come and get his part. Don't complain. It's just got to give out. Well, if the bee come in there, insufficient funds. <laughs> no, honey. That little bee scratch his head and say, what kind of a lily is that? If <laughs> a man coming along trying to find salvation, go to the church to please the days of miracles is bad. Like Jack Cole once said, going into a restaurant and have a great big menu. Begin to read it down, T-bone steaks and things, I'll take a T-bone. Well, uh, that was for a day past. <laughs> we don't have it. Might as well lay the menu down and get out. <laughs> That's right. Because you ain't got nothing to eat anyhow. <laughs> so you might as well go to where a restaurant's got something to eat. And the spiritual man growing needs something to eat on. That's the Word of God. Amen. I believe every word of it. Amen. God has a table spread where the Amen. saints of God are fed. He invites His chosen people come and dine. With His manna He does feed. He supplies our every need. Oh, it's sweet to sup with Jesus all the time. Yes, sir. He's got it. The church has it. The church of the living God is filled up into this perfect man of the knowledge of Christ. Now, now you must have virtue. I said then, the first thing you know, there's somebody loves to smell the odor. He ain't selfish. He's got odor. Before he can give out odor, he has to have it. Before he can give out honey, he has to have it. Before he can give out beauty, he has to have it. Before he can give out virtue, you have to have it. So add to your faith virtue. Amen. Understand? We can stay on that a long time, but our time will get away from us. Adding virtue to your faith. Now, first is faith, then virtue, and then thirdly, you add knowledge. Knowledge. Now, that don't mean worldly knowledge, because that's foolishness to God. But knowledge to judge. Judge what? Right from wrong. How do you judge it then if you've got Christian knowledge 
with your virtue and faith, you judge whether the word is right or wrong. If you can lay aside all your creeds and all your unbelief, everything that you claim you have done, then you have knowledge to believe that God cannot lie. Let every man's word be a lie, but mine be true. Now you're getting knowledge. That's supreme knowledge. You don't have to have four degrees to some college or something like that to have it. (laughs) Because all these virtues are given to you by God to place upon the foundation of your faith that you might come to the full statue of a real living man of God. Yes, sir. Add, Add knowledge because knowledge of his word. You must believe it in this way. Such as you should believe today that the, accepted that the days of miracles is not past. Knowledge that what God says, God's able to perform. Abraham believed that. And when he was a hundred years old, he staggered not the promise of God through unbelief. Look how ridiculous that word looked. Here's a man a hundred years old looking for a baby to be born into his home by a woman ninety years old. See? Almost fifty years of past barren lived with her since she was a, a young girl or teenage, and here he is, his life stream was dead, and Sarah's womb was dead, and all hopes is gone as far as it was hope, but yet against hope he believed in hope because he had knowledge that God was able to keep everything that he promised. Now when you got it like that, then add that to your faith. <laughs> when you got true virtue, add it to your faith. When you can walk out here on the street, live like a Christian, act like a Christian, be a Christian, add that to your faith. When you have knowledge, you say, well, I don't know now whether this scripture is just right. Now, here's Acts 2.38. I don't know how to go about it with it. Acts uh, 28.19. I don't, all right. Don't, don't add nothing because you ain't got it yet. See? What are you going to do? Because you haven't got knowledge enough to know of God yet that the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Leave it alone. Don't say no more about it. See? Leave it alone. But when you can see that the Scripture is not contradictory, Amen. that you can say that and can see that by the revelation of God, the whole Word is wrote in mysteries, and only the knowledge of God can reveal it. Amen. Then when you get and say, punctuate every word of God with an amen, then add that to your faith. Amen. Oh, you're going to be a pretty good man right now, see? You're coming up. See? What with? With faith, then with virtue, then knowledge. See us filling this man? You can see there's no, no way of escaping it. This is the way to become the full statue of Christ. Wow. Yes, sir. To judge. Judge right. Judge whether it's right or wrong to believe God's Word. Judge whether it's right or wrong whether I should serve a creed or serve God. Judge whether it's right or wrong I should be born again or join a church. Then you begin. Judge right. When the preacher says the days of miracles is past. The Bible said Jesus Christ the same yesterday and forever. Amen. Now, what you going to believe? When you say, I'll take God. Now, you don't say that just to say, well, I, I'll take it just from your heart, but something in you, your faith pushes out there. Your faith says, I know He's the same. Amen. I'll witness Him the same. There's nothing to take it away from. I know He's real. Then, add that to your faith. Lay down the foundation. Coming up now. Coming on up towards the kingdom. Got to this spot now. All right. 
tell you, and many people say, the, these things that you read in the Bible, they were for another day. Now, I'll tell you why. Because we don't need those things today. We don't need it. They, we, should, we don't have to practice those things. Divine healing. We don't practice speaking with tongues in the church to, to keep our church straight. And we don't uh, do this. We'll get to that. i got a scripture wrote down over here about that. Whether we should do it yet or not. Now, but here's that I don't know. We shouldn't do that today. Only thing I should think we should do, we should learn to speak properly before the crowd. We should go and let a psychiatrist test our mind to see if we're able to be able to present ourselves, if our IQ's high enough to do it, and, and so forth like that. I think if we hold the greatest congregations, we build our organization. We're not building an organization. Amen. I'm not here this morning to build an organization. Christ never sent me to build organizations. Christ sent me to build individuals to the statue of Jesus Christ that they might be the powerhouse. By His Word. By His Word. Build up the individual to that place. Not build an organization to a greater denomination. But build the individual to yes. sons and daughters of God. Yes. That's the idea. See, add to your faith virtue. To your virtue, add knowledge. Oh, now you're coming to a place. Now when they begin to say, well, we don't have to accept that today. You do have to. It must be. The Scriptures cannot lie. And there are no private interpretation, the Bible says. You just believe it the way it's written there. See, you've got to have these things. And the only way you'll ever be able to have them is have heaven-born knowledge. Yeah. And heaven-born knowledge will vindicate the Word. Yeah. You've got to believe. Not make-believe it. None of these are make-believe. See, if you try to say, I got it, don't be a blackbird putting peacock feathers in yourself. Because they'll fall right out. They're not naturally grown in there. They're just stuck in. I think where David said there... Psalms 1, he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. You know, there's a difference being planted and being set out. <laughs> Stuck out. Like the old oak tree that's been planted. That weaves down and gets a good hold. A little old stick is sticking in there. You don't know what's going to happen to it. It has no roots. It has no foundation. That's like some people coming from a seminary <laughs> or something. You see, don't have that. Well, Dr. So-and-so ordained me in the ministry. Don't make it what that was. Right? Barns you into by your faith, see? You're regenerated and born into it. Then if you're born into it, these are the things that he expects you to add. Just keep adding them. Now we're going right down the line. Um, now, there'll be another thing on this knowledge we might speak of. Godly knowledge. See? Uh, uh, has the Bible in this day lost its meaning? Uh, see, they, a lot of people tell you that. That the Bible doesn't exactly mean that. If God watches over me and corrects me in my sin, and if I am a son of God, He does that. He does you that way. Sons and daughters, when you do anything wrong, He corrects you. Then if God is so particular about you that He watches over you and corrects you, how much more has He His Word? Which is your example. Which is Himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God and made flesh and dwelt among The Word is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible says so. Christ being revealed in His Word. And if He's watched over you when you transgress these laws, He condemns you for it. How much more has He watched over His law that condemns you? Amen. 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 Don't tell me that 
stuff. I believe in genuine Holy Ghost knowledge. Holy Ghost knowledge will always punctuate the word with amen. When you get these things that seem to contradict themselves in the Bible, you sit down and study it in prayer. And the first thing you know, the Holy Spirit begins to move in. That's why you see it ties together. And there you got it. That's knowledge. Some of them say, well, now, the Bible said that he's the same yesterday and forever. And the church says, in a certain sense, he is the same. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You done broke the gap right there. Right. Yes, sir. Right. No, sir, he is the same. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. There's no difference Amen. in him at all. He lives in his church doing the same thing. A little while, as I quoted a while ago, a little while, and the world seeth me no more, yet ye shall see me. For he said, I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. Again, he said, the works that I do shall you do also. Again, he said, I'll be the vine, you'll be the branches. And the branch only lives by the life of the vine. Whatever's in the vine comes out through the branch. Glory. And Christ is dead. It produces the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Knowledge, not worldly. It reasons. Any kind of worldly knowledge reasons. See, but faith has no reasoning. God reveals to you if certain certain things going to happen. Every scientist in the world can tell you it's contrary. It could not happen. You believe it anyhow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It does reason. The Bible said we cast down reason. You don't reason with faith. Faith has no reason. Faith knows where it's at. Faith acts. Faith holds on. It can't move. Nothing can move it. That's right. I don't care whatever says this other doesn't move a bit. It stays right there. Wait, 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 wait. Don't make any difference. It stays right there. God told Noah these things are going to happen. He believed it. God told Moses these things are going to happen. He believed it. God told the disciples certain things are going to happen. Go up there at Pentecost and wait. They stayed right there. Yes, sir. All right. Now, knowledge. Now, not worldly knowledge, but it's heavenly knowledge. And heavenly knowledge... When God is the fountain of all knowledge, and God is the Word, then if you've got heavenly knowledge, you believe the Word. Amen. And you reason anything by the Word. And this tax case that the church has been in, or I have been in, one of the men one time in a little hearing told me, said, I said, they couldn't find nothing wrong. And so they began to, I said, well then, if there's nothing wrong, won't you get off my back? Yeah. <laughs> you know what they had to tell me about some scriptures. He said, great big fellow with a cigarette in his hand, he said, Mr. Branham, I am a Bible student. I said, I'm glad to hear that. He said, now I want to know what this superstition, you charge for these handkerchiefs you sent out, that little superstition of praying over the handkerchiefs and sent them out, them anointed claws, you call them, claws. He said, then you charge for those. I said, no, sir, there's no charge to it. And he said, well, on this superstition, I said, you call it a superstition, sir. You told me a few minutes ago you were a Bible student. He said, I am. I said, quote to me Acts 19, 11. <laughs> Knowledge <laughs> trapped his own self right into it. <laughs> Tried to change the subject. I said, then quote to me John five fourteen. Couldn't do it. I said, then James five fourteen. He couldn't do it. I said, do you know <laughs> John three sixteen? <laughs> hey. Knowledge 
do what God said. That's right. Then if you got that and can believe all these things that He's the same in all these things, the Word says it's true. You punctuate everyone with an amen. It's all right. Add that to your faith. That's all right. Yes. If somebody tries to tell you that the Bible has lost its power, there is no such a thing as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Ah, don't add that. It won't work. It'll fall off. Like putting uh, clay on a rock. It won't stand up. It'll crumble. Then people tell you, the Bible can't be trusted today. You be careful now. Don't you go be... You can't be... You've heard that all the time. Little saying, you can't trust the Bible. Well, if, if you've got that in your mind, you don't, don't try to add it because it won't work. The whole building will fall down right there. She's got to be martyred by the Holy Spirit. I mean, stuck together. The martyr that seals it. And the same thing that seals it. You know the way a balkanized tube always lasts longer than just an old stuck-on patch. A little heat gets stuck on an old patch on a tire. The first thing you know, get that tire a little bit hot, run a little fast, and it'll melt off. That's right. Yes, sir. See, and that's what's matter a lot of people today. They try to stick their knowledge on the worldly knowledge with a little old earthly glue. And when the trials come, well, maybe I was wrong. See, and there you go. You deflated in a few minutes. <laughs> All your shot and jumped up and down didn't be any good. The people sees you right back in the same puddle again. That's right. But if you stay there with enough heat of the Holy Ghost, well, it makes you and the tube one. <laughs> That's it. You and the tube becomes one. When you stay there until you and every promise of God becomes one, then add that to your faith. You don't, don't add it at all. You say the word can't be trusted. Don't try to add that. You say the promises in here of the baptism of the Holy Ghost was only meant for the twelve apostles like some churches say today. Don't try to add that. That's where their foundations all crumbled up. Like Uzziah was last night when he seen the foundation of this man that he trusted in all crumbled up, smitten with leprosy. It was no good. Now, just for the twelve apostles, only the twelve apostles, down to Brother Wright, I think they're back there somewhere one night. Is it? minister down there, I, I was speaking four or five preachers together. This preacher raised up and said, now I want to tell you dear people something. Oh, I think you're fine people. I said, I told somebody I said, that's, that's one sitting right there, watch. So Junie Jackson back there just got through speaking. And he said, speaking on the grace of God. Oh my, he's burning up waiting. He got up there and he's trying to say, now I want to say that Mr. Brandon here, I'll tell you, is an antichrist. And he started off like that. All night, some of the preachers started out. I said, wait a minute. Now, don't say nothing, brother. There's only one of him and a bunch of us. I said, just let him alone. Now, he picked on me. I wanted myself so bad. I didn't know what to do. So, uh, he said, Mr. Branham is an antichrist. And he went ahead saying everything, you know, about... He said, he said, there a baptism of the Holy Ghost. said, the Bible said there was only 12 got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Talking about divine healing. Only the 12 apostles had divine healing. He said, we speak where the Bible speaks and silent where the Bible silent. I waited till he rattled off there for about a half hour. And I said, wait just a minute. I wrote down so many here. I said, I, give me a chance to answer some. And when I got up, I said, the sir, he said that he spoke where the Bible spoke. His church did and silent where it was silent. You all are witnesses. Yes. I said, now he said there was only 12 received the Holy Ghost. My Bible said there was 120 the first shot. Amen. Throw that kind of knowledge out. You see, that he was trying. 
I said, then I guess Paul didn't receive the Holy Ghost when he said he did. <laughs> I said, down when Philip went out and preached to the Samaritans, they'd been baptized in the name of Jesus, only the Holy Ghost hadn't come on them, and they sent God, Peter, and John come down and laid hands on them, and the Holy Ghost come on them. I guess that was only the twelve. I said, Acts 10, 49, when Peter was on the housetop and had saw the vision, they're going up to Cornelius, says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them and heard the words. I said, the Bible's still speaking, where's your church? <laughs> it's back in the would-be's. <laughs> I said, divine healing. You said only the twelve apostles had divine healing. The Bible said that Stephen went down to Samaria and cast out devils and healed the sick, and there was great joy in the city, and he wasn't one of the twelve. He wasn't an apostle, he was a deacon. <laughs> Amen. I said, Paul wasn't one of the twelve that was in the upper room, and he had the gift of healing. I said, just look at the gifts of healing. And plumb on, 30 years later, he was still in Corinthians ordaining the gifts of healing into the body. All right. Now, that kind of knowledge that you learn out of some book, you better throw it out the garbage can. When God said, he's the same yesterday and forever, say, Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not to the twelve, is for all. When you get that kind of a, a faith, when your faith punctuates it every bit, with an amen, then you say, all right, add that to it. Fourthly, we'll have to hurry because I'm just, it just feels so good to stand here talking about it. Yeah. Fourthly, thank you. Add temperance. We come to temperance. Now you've had faith first. You have to have that to begin with. Then you add virtue to your faith if it's the right kind of virtue. Then you add knowledge if it's the right kind of knowledge. Now you're going to add temperance. Temperance doesn't mean stop drinking alcohol here either. No, no. Temperance doesn't mean alcoholic cure. Not in this case. This is Bible temperance. Holy Spirit temperance. That's just one of the lusts of the flesh. But we're talking about Holy Spirit temperance. That means how to control your tongue. That's right. Amen. Not be a tattler. How to control your temper. Not fly off every time anybody speaks cross to you. Oh, my, boy, a lot of us are going to fall off before we get started, aren't we? <laughs> and we wonder why God's not in His church doing miracles and things that He used to do. Yes. Add these things. Add tempers to it. Oh, tempers, how to answer in kindness when wrath is spoke to you. Somebody say, you bunch of holy rollers down there, don't jump out and roll up your sleeves now. Not that, but talk with godly love. Tempers, kindness. <laughs> Is that the way you want to be? When you're riled upon, rile not back. Let him be your example. When they said, If thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread, he could have done it. I'm sure he was God. But he had temperance. When they called him Beelzebub, he said, I forgive you for it. Is that right? They pulled handfuls of beard out of his face and spit in his face. And said, come down off the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. When he had the gift, he knowed all things. For in him was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. They'd seen him perform miracles by telling people what was wrong with him and so forth like that. They put a rag around his head like that, around his eyes, and hit him on the head with a stick and said, prophesy. Tell us who hits you. We'll believe you. See? He had temperance. Now, if you got it like that, add it to your face. <laughs> If you still blow up and 
sass and fuss and stew and carry on. Uh-uh. <laughs> you ain't got no oil. You can't add that because it won't add. See, it won't balkanize. You couldn't take a piece of rubber, you know, and balkanize it to a piece of iron. <laughs> it just won't work, you know. It's got to be flexible, just like the rubber is, see. And when your faith and your temperance becomes the same kind of Holy Ghost temperance that he had, then it'll balkanize with him. You're added to it. When your virtue is like his virtue, then it'll add to it. When your knowledge is like his knowledge, I come to do thy will, O God. With the Father's word, he defeated every devil. Heavens and earth will pass away, but the word will not. When you got that kind of knowledge, it'll balkanize with your faith. When you got the right kind of temperance, like he had, it'll balkanize. If you haven't, just a man-made, halfway, soused up, belief or temperance, Oh, I'm going to slap him down. But maybe I better not, because he might put my name in the paper about it. That ain't the kind of temperance he's talking about. Don't try to add that. It won't work. But when you can really, with the sweetness from your heart, forgive every man. Hold your peace. Let it be gone, see? Then it'll balkanize. You can add that to your faith. No wonder the church is so short. Isn't that right? No wonder. I say, repent and be baptized, the Bible said in the name of Jesus Christ. And a strict Trinitarian don't believe that, say, that old Antichrist, he's a Jesus name, he's a Jesus only. Look out, boy. I don't know about your temperance right now. <laughs> Won't you come say, let's reason this together, Brother Bram. I'd like to hear this explained. See? And then come down and listen to it, and then it's put right before you, and then you walk away. Well, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. It's in godliness, see. But when you, when you fly loose, Want to jump at every conclusion? Uh-uh, that's, that's not it. See? You haven't got Bible temperance yet when you do that. How to answer back? Then, if you got all this, you can add this to your faith. Then, after that, fourthly, you want to add patience to your faith. If you got faith, it works with patience, the Bible says. So, this is patience. Now, that's the next thing to go build this statue. You know, God's got real material in His building. <laughs> See how short we are, brother? See where we're at? Yes, See, we have glory, we have shouts, and this is because we got faith. But when we come down to these things here, God can't build us into that statue. See? He, can't, he can't make us up to that kind of a place. We got all these other things, we fall and slide off with it. See? We can't build His church. Patience with what? What kind of patience? First thing is have patience with God. If you've got real genuine faith, you'll have real genuine patience. Because faith works with patience. When God says anything, you believe it. Oh, you got patience. Say, well, I asked him last night to heal me and I'm just as sick this morning. <laughs> what patience? God told Abraham at 25 years later there wasn't even one sign. He still believed it. He was patient with God. <laughs> Put him always before you. Let him be the next crossing thing. You can't cross him, so just keep it before you. He said, so it's going to happen. See? Keep him before you. That's right. Noah had patience. Yeah. Noah had real godly patience. God said, I'm going to destroy this world with rain. And Noah preached 120 years. <laughs> Plenty of patience. Not even when dew fell from heaven. It wasn't nothing. This is dust as it ever was. For 120 years, but he was patient. Thank God tries your patience. That's right. God tries it. Actually, he told Noah, and I said, Noah, uh, I want you to go ahead and get in the ark. 
uh, I'm going to run the animals in there. Now, I want you to get in climb way upstairs now so you can look out top window. Now, I want you to get in there. I want you to tell these people, tomorrow what I've been preaching for 120 years ago take place. All right, go down there and tell them. What was the first time Noah got in the ark? Wasn't no rain. Noah got ready and got the raincoat on and everything so he could look out once in a while. Got ready, but the next day I mean, my told his family and his daughter-in-law and all that said, Oh my, tomorrow you're going to see something you ain't never seen because all over the sky is going to be black and thunder and lightning is going to take place. God's big sword's going to zip through the skies. He's going to condemn these bunch of sinners that's turned us down for this 120 years. You just watch and see. See, some of the halfway believers are going to hang around and don't ever come in, you know. You still have them, you know. So they'll... They come up and said, well, the old man might have been right, so we'll go up and wait a few days or wait a few hours in the morning and see. Next day, instead of a black cloud, here comes the sun coming up just like it always is. Noah looked out. He said, hey, you ain't no cloud. That guy come up and said, ah, I know just one of them. You see, you're hanging around up here. Well, uh, pardon me, sir. <laughs> Maybe I, I, I just, you know, just a bit too, you know, kind of... <laughs> But Noah, he had patience that if it didn't come today, he'll be here tomorrow. That's right. Why? God said so. When did he tell you that, Noah? A hundred and twenty years ago. I've come this far, so I'm just waiting here. Yeah, hey, while we find God come this far, waiting for the church, too. But he'll be there, don't you worry. He promised it. Waited all this time for a resurrection. There'll be one, don't worry. God promises. Just wait patiently. You, know, you fall asleep. I don't want, you might take a little nap before it happens, but you'll wake up at that time. He promises. What we call a nap of death, you know. What we call death, just a little nap or sleeping in Christ. No such thing as dying in Christ. Life and death don't exist together. See? We just take a nap. A nap that our friends can't call us from. He's the only one who can call. He'll call and I'll answer him, said Job. Job's been sleeping now for 4,000 years. Don't worry. You'll wake up. Don't worry. You're still waiting. No waited. The fourth day passed. No rain. It's all right. What happened? I hear Miss Noah come around and say, Dad, are you sh-? Don't talk like that. He had patience. Amen. Because he had faith. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He had virtue. He had knowledge that God was right. He had temperance. He didn't fly loose. Well, I don't know what it's all about. I've lost all my popularity out there. <laughs> no, no. People don't care for me anymore. I'll go out there and start over new again. No, no. God promised, God will do it. Amen. Amen. Because God said so. Now you see his son come out and say, Dad, you know, I stroke his hand over his long gray hair, you know, and he's hundreds of years old, you know, sitting there. said, I know you're an old patriarch. I, I love you, Daddy, but could, could it have been possible that you could have been a little bit wrong? Oh, no. <laughs> no, why? God said so. Well, Daddy, this is six days and we set up here. Sitting up here in this big old dry ark, sitting right here, and it's all pitched inside and out, and we've been all these years building on You stood out there preaching, you turned gray and bald, and here you are up here now trying to say such and such a thing, and the people are laughing and throwing rotten tomatoes and things against the side of it. Look at there, what you're doing. Why do you don't? Be patient, son. Are you sure? We all rain. Thank you, Lord. His daughter in law said, uh, Father, you know, uh, it will rain. Yeah, Thank you, Lord. But we've been uh, all these years waiting. We've been preparing. And you told us it's going to rain a week ago. And we're in here and the doors are all shut. And here we are walking around in here. And the sun's just scorching right down like it was. But it will rain. Thank you, Lord. How do you know? God 
said so. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, when you get that way, <laughs> add it. <laughs> but if you ain't got it that way, don't, don't try to add it. It won't work. Right. It won't work on healing. It won't work on nothing else. Right. It's got to blend in with the same material it's balkanized to. Right. Got to add it. Patience is God's promise. Yes, sir. Noah believed it. And he had patience with God 120 years. Moses, he had patience with God. Yes, sir. And Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. I've seen their affliction. I'm coming down to deliver them. I'm going to send you down. And the little contrast there between him and God, and God showed him his glory, he said, here I go. When he once seen the glory of God, you see, he had faith. He said, what's that in your hand, Moses? He said, a stick. He said, throw it down. It turned into a serpent. He said, oh, my. He started to take it up, Moses. If I'm able to turn it to a snake, I can turn it back again. Is that right? Yeah. That's, 
They'll run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Just wait on the Lord. Have patience. Yes, sir. There! Israel was going to be taken out. The great contrast just came and Moses waited. Then he got into the wilderness. It's only about three or four days' journey. It's only 40 miles from where he crossed there, right across where he crossed again. But Moses in the wilderness waited 40 years. Patience. That's right. That's right. He waited 40 years. Oh, yes, sir. And we should have patience with one another, too. See? One time we get we get so much impatient with one another. Uh, we think we got to be like Moses. Moses had patience with the people. Look, it's, that's what caused them not to go over. See, if you're trying to do something, like I'm trying to get this message over the tabernacle, to see that each member of the tabernacle becomes this. It's hard to do. I've tried to have patience just as 33 years. <laughs> have patience. The women still bob their hair. But it's have patience. Have patience, wait. <laughs> After if you ain't got it, don't try to build on this down here. Have patience. Even one time when that rebellion bunch of people had such impatience, they caused Moses to do something wrong. But yet, when it comes to a showdown, God got sick of their action. He said, separate yourself, Moses. I'll kill a whole bunch of you. He throw yourself in the breach and said, God, don't do it. What? Patience with the people that were rebelling against him. I wonder if we could do that. If you can't, don't try to do it on this. It don't change. <laughs> that's the way the first one is balkanized. That's the way every one of them has to be balkanized. If you don't, you don't come to that statue of the dwelling place of the living God. If you haven't got patience, patience one another. All right. The Hebrew children had patience. Sure they did. God had promised them, told them, don't you bow down to any image. But they had patience that our God is able. But nevertheless, we're not going to bow to your image. <laughs> Patience. Knowing this, that God raised him up in the last days. This life don't mean so much after all. See? God will raise it up again in the last days. But when it comes to bowing to an image, we won't do it. Now, we'll give Caesar what Caesar. But when it comes to Caesar interfering with God, God's first. God said, don't you bow to that image, and I won't do it. Our God's able to deliver us. If you don't, I'll not bow to the image. So, all right, there's the furnace. Well, they said, well, I guess green hard night and put it all out, but didn't do it. Still patient. Next morning when he was brought up before the courts, uh, there sat the Nebuchadnezzar. He said, all right, boys, are you ready to remember me as your king? Certainly, live forever, O king. Now, bow down to my image, oh no. Well, you're going to burn up. You're wise, man. You're smart. You've been a great help to us. You've been a blessing to our kingdom. Can't you understand? I don't want to do this, but... Uh, I've made a proclamation here, and it's got to be done. I don't want to throw you in there. Oh, man, what's the matter with you? I know that sounds all right, but our God's able to deliver us, but nevertheless. Had patience. Start walking up the ramp. One look to the other. All right. All right. We got patience. Went one step. God wasn't there. Two steps. He wasn't there. Three steps. Four steps. Five steps. Just kept on going. Still he wasn't there. And he stepped right off into the fire furnace. They had patience, but he was there. Just enough fire hit him to burn the latches off their hands and feet. And then when he hit the bottom of the pit, he was there. See? They had patience. Daniel the same way. Daniel had patience. Sure. He wasn't going to give up. No, sir. What did he do? He opened them windows and prayed anyhow. His requirement of God. He had patience. He waited on God, knowing God was able to keep his word. They threw him in the lines and said, we'll let the lines eat you up. He said, that's all right. He had patience. 
Why? Well, I've waited all this time on God. If I have to wait a few more thousand years, I'll raise up again the last day. So, got patience. Wait. Paul had patience. Certainly did. Look what Paul had to do. Talk about patience. How about the Pentecostal people? As long as they got the commission, wait until. Wait until you're endued with power. How long? They never question how long will it be. They just got the answer. Wait until. They went up there and said, all right, boys, maybe 15 minutes from now, the Holy Spirit's going to be on us. We're going to have our ministry. 15 minutes passed. Oh, about one day passed. Oh, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Some of them might say, hey, don't you think we already got it? No, no, no. That's right. You better come on out, boys. The devil said, you, you, you know, you've already got what you want. Go on and start your ministry. No, no. We ain't got it yet. Because he said there will come a, what will take place in the last days with stammering lips and other tongues while I speak to this people. And this is the rest, I said. See, Isaiah 28, 19. Said, this, is, this is it. You, you'll get it when, well, we'll know when it comes. We'll know when it comes. We'll know it. Promise to the Father. And there he waited nine days and then on the tenth day. Now, you're there. They had patience to wait. Now, if you've got that kind of patience after God gives you a promise and you see it in the Bible, it's mine. Then wait. Then if you've got that kind of patience, add it to your faith. See how high you're getting now? You're getting way up here now. All right. The clock hand's getting way around, too. All right. All right. Add this to your faith. Always putting him before you, remembering it was he that promised. Wasn't me promised. Wasn't pastor promised or brother Neville. It wasn't some other minister promised. It wasn't some priest or pope. It wasn't no man of the earth. It was God made the promise. And God's able to keep everything he promised. All right. If you got that kind of faith to know that God promised it, say, Brother Branham, I'm sick. I need healing off a bed. Accept it. It's a gift given to you. Yes, sir. If thou canst believe, well, you say, I do believe then. Forgive me. That's all. It's all over. See? Have patience. If you got patience, if you're not, you're crumbling off this building. Right. It'll knock all the rest of it down, that one thing. You've got to have that. Don't add it because it'll wreck your building. If you haven't got patience, if you haven't got virtue to add to your faith that you say you got, and if you haven't got any faith to try to put virtue on it, it'll break your faith down. Amen. So you say, well, now, wait a minute. Maybe this is all a mistake anyhow. Maybe God isn't God. Maybe there is no God. See, it'll break the thing right in two. See? But if you got genuine faith, that puts genuine virtue to it. That's genuine knowledge. That's genuine temper. That's genuine patience. See? You're moving right on up the line. All right. Fifthly, add godliness. Oh, my. Godliness to be added. What does godliness mean? I looked in four or five dictionaries and couldn't even find what it meant. Finally, I done Brother Jeffrey's there. We found it in a, in a dictionary. Godliness means to be like God. Oh, my. And if you got faith, Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, then be like God. You say, I can't do that, Brother Bramble. Oh, yes, you can. Let me just read you a few scriptures here just a minute. Matthew 5, 48. We'll take this and see what it sounds like. Matthew 5, 48, and see if you're supposed to be like God. You know, the Bible says, ye are God. Jesus said so. Why? All the virtue, all the things that's in God's in you. Matthew 5, 48. Be ye... Jesus speaking in the Beatitude. Be therefore, P-E-R-F-E-C-T. What's that? Perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amen. You're not well here now before you have to do that. All these things have to be added first. Then when you get 
God. Right. How many things I could say along that line? Let's turn to Ephesians 4 and find out over here what in the book of Ephesians it says about this thing too. About how we should, uh, how we should do Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and begin with the twelfth verse. Ephesians 4 and begin with the twelfth verse. All right. Let's begin up here at the eleventh verse. And he gave some apostles. That's right. And some prophets. Remember last night, don't try to take the other man's office. And some evangelists. And some pastors. And some teachers. For the perfecting of God. Does it read like that? The perfection of what? Who are the saints? The sanctified ones. <laughs> Amen. Down here. Perfecting of the saints for the working of the ministry. The ministry of Jesus Christ. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. For the edifying. Bringing it up. Edifying. Until till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into the perfect man. Unto the assurance Oh, my, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Perfect. Takes godliness. You have to add to your faith godliness. See, you start off down here with virtue. Then you go to knowledge. Then you go to temperance. Then you go to patience. Now you're on godliness. Godliness. Oh, my. Our time's getting away. But you know what godliness meant? You sang a song, To Be Like Jesus. To be like Jesus on earth, I long to be like Him. All through life's journey from earth to glory, I only ask to be like Him. That's God. When He was smiled on one side of the face, He turned the other. When He was spoken rough to you, He didn't speak, He didn't rile back. Godly, always looking for one thing. I always do that which pleases the Father. Yes, sir, always. That's Godly. See, if you don't come from here to here to here to here to here to here, now you're coming into the full statue now of a son of God, but you've got to have this plus all this. And you can't even start until you get this. Now remember, the black bird with peacock feathers, don't forget him. See? Don't try to add it till you're actually born again. Of course, you, it won't work. It, you can't make it work. It'll come to this or this year, it'll crumble somewhere. But when you get down here to the genuine born again dove, then you don't add nothing. It adds to you. Comes on up. All right. Coming into perfection now. All right. Then, sixthly, let's add the Bible said you're adding brotherly love, brotherly kindness. Now, that's a good one. Right here, sixthly. All right. Adding brotherly kindness. All right. When we get to that, brotherly kindness, put yourself in his place on the matter. Now, you say, my brother sinned against me, said Peter. Shall I forgive him? He said, uh, uh, seven times a day. He said, 70 times seven. See? Brotherly kindness. Now, you see, if the brother's all out of tune, don't be impatient with him. No, see? Be kind to him. Go anyhow. Somebody said not long ago, said, how can you believe these things what you do and still go to the assemblies of God and the oneness or rest template? Right. Uh, Hoping someday. See? Patience. Right. Temper. Enduring with me. Knowledge to understand what he believes. Remember? 
Savior, which is love. That's the cabin stone. One of these days, in the church, I'll please let it be known on the tape and wherevermore. I'm not teaching this as a doctor and what I'm going to say now. But I just want to show you that by the help of God, what it really is, that the first Bible that God ever wrote was the Zodiac in the sky. It starts off with the Virgin. It ends up with Leo the Lion. And when I get into that sixth and seventh seal, you'll find out when that other seal was opened, the zodiac mark of that place was cancer, the cross fish. Yeah. That's the cancer age we're living in now. Revealed. And the next thing the seal tore off, it revealed Leo the Lion, the second coming of Christ. He comes the first to the virgin. He comes next to Leo the Lion. Now, I'll bring this to these. Now, I don't know where I'm going to have time this morning. I'm going to do the best I can to show you that these steps are in the pyramids. Just exactly. The second Bible God wrote. Enoch wrote them and put them in the pyramid. And the third, God always is perfected in the third. Then he made himself his word. Now remember, in the pyramid, I guess many soldiers and things is in Egypt, the pyramid hasn't got a cap on it. Never been. The, the stone is scrolled and everything else they've got. But still, if you have a dollar bill in your pocket, you look on the dollar bill and you'll find out that over in the right-hand side, it's got an eagle with the American flag. And it said the seal of the United States. On the other side, it's got the pyramid with a great big tapping stone and a major. It says on this side, the great seal. Well, if this is a great nation, why wouldn't this great seal be its own seal of the nation? God makes them testify no matter what. I was talking to a doctor one time. And he was just raking me over the coals about divine healing. Just standing on the street. He said, Mr. Branham, you only confuse people. He said, there's no healing only through medics. I have to turn around and look at his sign on the car. Had that serpent on the pole. I said, you better take that sign on your car. Yeah. Yeah. God, your own sign testifies that God's a healer. Yeah. A real doctor believes that. That's them quacks. <laughs> the serpent on the pole. That's right. Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole and said, I'm the Lord that heals all your diseases. And they looked at that serpent for divine healing. Amen. And yet they testify against it. Yet their own sign testifies against them. Yes, it does. Here our nation saying the things they are and making fun of these things and their own money, their currency right. testifies that the seal of the whole universe is God. Amen. See that I stand up there above that on that dollar bill? That's the great seal. It never was put on top of the pyramid. They couldn't understand why. The capping stone was rejected, the head, Christ. But it will come someday. Amen. Now, in building the virtue, building this monument, building this statue, see, it starts off with the foundation stone faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness. Now, what does it do? Then they're waiting for the headstone, which is love. For God is love and He controls and He is the strength of every one of these things. Yes, sir. Right in here. Right in here. You see, I got in between the, all this works in here and here these little waves coming. What is that? The Holy Ghost coming down through Christ. Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is above all this right. welding this together 
of the second appearing of Elijah in the last days shall sweep the land. Here you are. Seven church ages. Seven steps. God building his church is like one person into an individual. Into himself. The glory and power of God coming down through this building is together. Therefore, the Pentecostal people let out the Lutherans, let out the Western and they doesn't know what they're talking about. You see, they lived in this part of the temple. That's the way some people can come up that high and drop off. But there's a genuine part of that keeps making that building. Come on. I will restore saith the Lord. You remember the, the bride tree. You remember the sermon on the bride tree. They eat it down, but he pruned it. It got denominational branches. He pruned them all. They raised up another church. Denominational branches. He pruned it all. But the heart of that tree kept growing. In the evening time, it shall be light. That's when comes Christ, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, comes down and sets himself at the head of the church. Then he will resurrect this church being his own body. And there's the body. And the way God is expecting us as an individual to grow the way he's brought his church into growth. Amen. Every church age, it becomes one big church. Amen. See? These fellows wasn't required what these fellows were. Amen. This wasn't required what this was. See? But he brought his church up the same way he brought his, his church up, the same way he's bringing his people up. Then Peter here says first, seven things. Faith. Virtue. See? Come up. Knowledge. Temperance. Patience. Godliness. Brotherly love. And brotherly kindness. And then the love of God. Right. A Holy Ghost. Christ in the person of the Holy Ghost comes upon you in the true baptism of the Holy Ghost and you got all these virtues sealed in you Then God lives in a tabernacle yeah. called the building the living tabernacle of the living God's dwelling place. Amen. When a man possesses these kind of things then the Holy Ghost comes upon him. No matter you might speak with tongues, you might impersonate any gift that God's got, you might do that, but until these virtues here go into you, you're still off the real true foundation of faith. Right. But when these virtues grow in and you added that to that, then you are a living monument. You are a living, moving idol. But, you know, the, the heathen, they prostrate themselves before an idol, imaginary God, and in an imaginary way, they believe that that imaginary God speaks back to them. That's heathenism. That's Romanism. They bow before all kinds of saints and everything else. They have Saint Cecilia, House God, and so many different things like that. They bow to that and actually believe that in an imaginary way. What a, what a type it is of the true living God. But when we, not in an imaginary way, but prostrate ourselves before a living God, a living virtue, a living knowledge, a living patience, a living godliness, a living power, coming from a living God, makes a living man a living image. Thank you, Lord. What's he doing? The same things that Jesus did. Walking the same way he walked. Doing the same things he did because it's not a imaginary thing. There's a reality that's true. See what I mean? See how these virtues, these building materials, type in with the church messengers, with the church agents, 
Now, one of these days, we're going to take each one of these words and study them out and show that it proves it. It all goes together. Sure. See? Oh, my. How wonderful that is. See? To see what it, what it does. Now, that is the house that God dwells in. Not a building with a big bell on top of it and a high steeple. See? But a body has thou prepared me. A body that God can dwell in. God can walk in. God can see in. God can talk in. God can work in. Amen. Amen. Living instrumentality of God. God walking on two feet in you. Amen. Glory. Glory. The footsteps of the righteous is order of God. God walking in you. For ye are written epistles. Read all man. And if the life that's in Christ be in you, you'll bear the life that Christ bore. Like I've always said, take the sap out of a peach tree, and if you could transfer it by a transfusion into an apple tree, the apple tree would bear peaches. Sure. Certainly would. No matter what the branches look like, it's got apple tree sap in it. See, or whatever tree it is. See, take this life out of the apple tree, take it all out, and give it a uh, sap transfusion. And drain from the peach tree over into the apple tree, what happens? It won't bear any more peaches. See? No, sir. It won't. If the peach tree life comes into the apple tree, brother, it won't bear any more apples. It'll bear peaches. See? Because it's got the life in it. Well, you take us. That's nothing but a wild gourd. Not in it. And there's nothing to us. For we're all dead and sin and trespasses. We're all in these kind of conditions. And then we ourselves can prostrate ourselves. Give ourselves up. Until God takes His transfusion tube. The name of Jesus Christ. Because there's no other name under heaven whereby man can be saved. And transfers the life of Christ into us. Then we have this kind of faith. The faith that Christ had. And Christ's faith was not based in those Pharisees or Sadducees or in their pots, kittles, and pans and their washes. It was based on the Word of God. Jesus Christ. The virtue of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
The temperance of Jesus Christ. The patience of Jesus Christ. The godliness of Jesus Christ. The brotherly kindness of Jesus Christ. And the love of God, which is Jesus Christ. He's the head. He controls you. And your feet is the foundation. Hey, amen. Controlled by the head. Take the Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There you are. There is the perfect man of God. When he possesses these verses. Then God representing his church as a bride, a woman. God represents his church as a bride, and the way he brings each individual to being his son to go in that bride, he also has brought the bride to these angels. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the work that You've begun in us. Father, to know that You shall finish the work that You began and how, Lord, You take us from faith and adding to that virtue and adding to that knowledge and temperance and patience and brotherly kindness love and charity, Lord, we thank Thee to know that You are molding us through all of these different steps and bringing us to perfection. We pray, Father, may we yield ourselves to will, and You are the potter, and we are the clay, and so we subject ourselves to Your will completely, and, and say, Lord, may Thy will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, we'd really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.